following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. Did we hear that? He has no claim on me, but I do as the father has commanded me. Why? So that the world may know that I love the father. Rise. Let us go from here. Father, would you bless to the understanding, the reading of your word for your glory in Jesus name. Amen. Please have a seat. Please have a seat. So what is going on here is we are continuing in what's referred to as the farewell discourse. Uh, we took a pause from the Gospel of Luke to, to, uh, to, 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 to be faithful to this moment, to take in this, these glorious pieces that Jesus shared with his disciples in his final moments. And what he is doing, what I've discovered in preparation this week, is he is just leaving it all in the field. He's, he is highlighting every, every pinnacle of, of message and ministry that he shared with them up until this point. He is helping them, uh, you know, in comprehensively trying to help them understand the coming of the Holy Spirit. They're, he's comforting them at the same time because he's saying, I'm leaving, but he's coming. And basically, I'm coming back to, to, to find my, my home, my, the Father and I, to find my home in your heart in your lives so that we can continue. Jesus said, you will finish what I started. That's what he referred to at the end of his ministry in Acts 1. Finish what he started, right? And that's what we have the privilege to do as, as agents uh, and of grace and love and Christ himself to represent Christ as ambassadors, citizens of this glorious kingdom and our glorious king. So uh, let's look at verse 25 here. And it says this, these things... So if you know me, I get captured right there, like, like these things. Okay, so what, what is these things? So I ask you the question, what's these things? What's he talking about? Don't ever just march through Scripture uh, and miss these moments where we, we should be asking these questions. Read inductively, right? So these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. So let's just do a quick recap of the things that he's referring to here, right? Here, here they are, verses 1 through 3. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have not told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to what? I will take, this is bridal language, I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Can you imagine how precious that was at this moment where he's told them over and over again he's leaving? 
And yet he says here, I'm coming back to take you to myself. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Right? The, the bridegroom is speaking to the bride in this loving vernacular just so that we understand his heart. But what he's doing in this moment too is he's saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let. Let not your hearts be troubled. And he says, here's the antidote. Trust God. Trust the Father. Trust me. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And then also put stock in my promise. Here's my promise. Here's, here's your living hope. I'm coming back for you. And not just to take you somewhere, but to take you to myself. This is the love of Christ seeking to comfort, prepare, um, care for these precious ones at this critical moment. Uh, another thing he's talking about in these things, Jesus said to them, I am the way. Because they, they wanted to know what, what's the way? How do we get there? What's the map? He says, I'm the map. I'm the map. I'm the path. I'm the door. I'm the gate. Right? He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And then he says this, no one comes to the Father except through me. He's the only way to the Father. He's the one that paved the way. He's the one that, that has made a way through his shed blood and, 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 and his body given so that we could be ransomed, re- relieved of our debt, so that like him in his statement here, that, 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 that the God of this world will have no claim on us either. Right? And that's what he's done for us. So he says, I'm the way back to the Father. That's what he's saying there. And then verses 7 through 9, he's, these are some more of these things. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip's like, what? Uh, he said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus is kind of a little broken hearted here because he doesn't understand. Like, wait, wait, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Like, so now you've seen him, right? And in fact, in, in uh, 1 John 1, he says, I love this, that whole piece in 1 John 1. We, we are witnesses. We touched him. We saw him. We were with him, right? The word of life. Um, and then he goes on to say this. Jesus said to him, I have been with you so long and you still don't know. You do not know me, Philip. Like, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Jesus in this whole this whole discourse is trying to say like, Yes, I'm as a person, as Emmanuel, I'm leaving. But it's better that I leave because what's going to happen is I'm coming to you in the person of the Holy Spirit. Right? And, and when you've seen the Spirit, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And when you've seen me, you've seen the Spirit. Like, they're, they're one. And, and Jesus is saying, I'm coming back to make my home with you. Have you been with you so long that you still do not know me, Philip? This is what he says. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Hebrews 1 says that he's the exact imprint of God. The exact imprint. Like God showed us his nature and it wasn't anything to do with external attributes. He came to show us love. He came to show us everything that matters. And, and the very things that he wants us to emulate. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love. Jesus modeled that. And everything he taught, he exemplified to perfection. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father, he says. Verse 12, another one of these things that he's taught them. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will, do, will also do the works that I do. And, and greater works than these will he do. Why? Because I am going to the Father. And if I go to the Father, what's going to happen? 
in his authority and name. He is he is he's asked the father to pour out the spirit and he will, he says, pour out his spirit among us. And that's how we will do greater things and the things that he has done. A scope of ministry that's beyond even his influence in Palestine. Right. Verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, in my will, in my authority, in, in, in my promises, this I will do. I will do. Why? That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Man, when we're praying for stuff, our, our, you know, that, is it in line with the, for the Father's will in the name of Jesus? And is, it, is what we're asking for to the glory of the Father? Right? Um, Jesus says, this will I do. And then verse 15, I love this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. We spent a lot of time on that, right? That love is the, is the ideal motivator to obedience, right? And, then, and, and what it is that the, the greatest commands that, that sum it all up is love God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul, and love your neighbor and yourself. You do this and you will live. How do I inherit eternal life was asked. And Jesus said, this is the answer. So why is the Holy Spirit here? To help us love God with all of our heart, mind, strength, and soul. Because true obedience flows out of that. Right? And isn't that so sweet? Verse 16 and 17, he said, I've told you these things. Here's some more. I will ask the Father and he will. Because Jesus asked, he he could have this type of confidence that the Father will answer his prayer. And we too are meant to have that type of confidence when we ask in Jesus' name that we we can know but, but we, can't out, we can't ask for things outside of his name, his will, authority, his word, his promises, and, and have any faith in that. But if we, if we can, we should, we should believe that we have it, as Jesus said. And he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Why is it another helper? Because he was the first one, right? Like, and, and he's coming like, do we give the Holy Spirit the awe and the dignity and the honor and the deity that he deserves? You know, like when he speaks, do we move as, as we would expect the disciples to move when Jesus spoke? Not looking for clarity or direction or further details, but just yes, Lord. And so I love that. And he says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you. How long? How long? forever it's a sealed work it is an adoption it is it is it is the greatest thing that god has ever done it's the best news the world has ever heard even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him right because they don't know him they don't trust him they don't believe in him for it goes on to say you know him now how could he say that had they ever experienced the, the, the indwelling work of the holy spirit not yet. But he says, you know, you know him. Right. And by the way, the Holy Spirit's not an it. Right. You know him. You know why you could say that? Because you know me. Because you know me. And he's told them, you know me. And now, you know, the father. And now he's saying, because you know me, you know him. Because we're one. We, we're one in mind, heart, purpose and intention. Right. You know him for he dwells with you. Now, how has he dwelt with him, with them? In Christ, he has dwelt with them. But he goes on to say this, and will be in you. 
right, will be in you. This is the promise of Pentecost, right? The future home of God, God making his home within us. This is the promise of Jesus. And then 18 and 19 says, I will not leave you as orphans, right? You will have a father, right? You will have a family. I will come to you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit here. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Right? Because I live, you also will live. We just sang that this morning. Because he lives. Do you believe that this morning? Because he lives, you live. Right? And I'm not talking about a fickle state of living. I'm not talking about temporary. I'm talking of eternal. He's the resurrection and life. And if, if you believe that, he says, yet you, though you die, you, yet you shall live. And if you live until I return, you shall never. Right? Like this is so good. Right, so good. And then verses 21 and 23, listen to this, whoever has my commandments. These are the these things. I know we're only two verses into our text, bear with me. But like, here we go, these things, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, and keeps them, right? Like that's how we build our house upon the rock, by putting them into practice, right? Doing, you know, we deceive ourselves, James says, if, we, if we're hearers only and not doers. Right? So, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who, what? He's the one that loves me. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? It's a lie. It's not true. Right? And he, he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I love this, I will love him and reveal, show, manifest myself to him. If we go down to verse 23, the promise is, is, is beautiful. He goes on to say, but the helper, I'm sorry, uh, Jesus said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come in the person of the Holy Spirit to him and make our home with him. Do you, do you see the, 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 this whole thing is about the Holy Spirit. This whole thing is, is, is given for the purpose of comforting his, his boys to say, look, I know I'm going and I know this is a hard concept, but I'm coming back to, to be with you forever. And, and all of the power that you've seen and all of the joy of my presence and all the comfort of my presence and your sense of shep- like me shepherding, all of that is coming to you in, like in the presence of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be with you forever. Right? And, and he wanted them to... Now, did they understand this in this moment? Probably not. But did all of this click on the other side of Pentecost? Let me ask you a question. When Jesus walked out those doors in, at 9 a.m. and was ex- you know, accused of being drunk because of 15 known languages being ex- expressing the glories of God, do, do you think that he was a different human being than, than 10 days earlier? 50 days earlier? Transformed. Like, you know, when the Holy Spirit enters... Because of simple faith and trust in the Lord that we believe he exists and he, and he rewards those who earnestly seek him, that believe and put their confidence and hope and trust in him. Um, do you believe that, that we're a new creation when, you, when we're sealed with the Holy Spirit? That the old is gone, behold, all things are new? Like, it's, it's not, we're not fixed. We're, we're new Right, that this is this is the glorious promise that he's kind of speaking to. So back to our text, verse twenty six says, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. So what when you think about the context here, he says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper and he says this is the this is another helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will will send in my name. 
He will teach you all things. He will lead you into all truth. The things here is truth. And bring you, bring your remembrance, and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So how does the Holy Spirit help us? Right? He helps us to love God. He, through obedience to His Word, He empowers God's Word to fruition. Right? He, he helps us right, to, to remember, to, to walk in truth for understanding, for application. But then he, he, in the moments where we need the truth of God's Word to fight, it's, he, he helps us hide His Word in our hearts. Does that make sense? Like He's the one that not only leads us to understanding, but then He reminds us of the truth so we can walk in it. And then He empowers that obedience ideally through love into fruition. To love the Father through obedience. The Holy Spirit's going to help us love the Father. That's why He's another helper. And what I mean by that is that's exactly what Jesus came to do was show us the Father and He modeled for us a love for the Father that was displayed through radical obedience to the, to the, to the detail. And, uh, and that's the example He set for us. I mean, even in the garden, he said, not my will, but your will be done. Like he submitted himself fully to the Father's will, even when his flesh was screaming otherwise. He will teach you all things. Truth. Now, just so we have an Old Testament context for the fruition of this, for the promise that God made to the nation of Israel, look at Ezekiel 36. Now, I'm going to read 36 before I read 11 for a reason. But in Ezekiel, twice we're told about the promise of the coming Holy Spirit. And so they would have had a reference for this in, in, their, in their understanding. And it says this in 26, 27. It says, this is the Father, I, this Yahweh, the Lord. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove, I think that's key, the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, pliable, soft, teachable. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Back in chapter 11, Ezekiel 19 and 20 says this, and I will give you, I love this, I will give them, now it's instead of you, it's them, and I love this because it's now the church, right? It's the body of Christ. I will give them one heart. Isn't that awesome? One heart. It speaks to the unifying work of the Spirit. It speaks to, like, whose heart is it? Right? I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the, remove the, stone, the, the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. Do you believe that, this, that God has done this? Like, is this, this is the miracle like, look, you can fix someone's leg, you can give them side death, all that, but that, that body still, that tent is still going to be done, right? But to give us a new life, a new heart, that make us a new, cre- that's the miracle. That's the miracle. That they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them, and they shall, listen, they shall be my people. Who's his people? Those indwelled with his presence. Right? It's like John says, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, then you're a son. If he doesn't, you're not. Right? Like, they will be my people and I will be their Yahweh. I will be their Lord. I will be their faithful Father. 
right? The other thing we see here uh, that the Holy Spirit does is he brings to our remembrance all that Jesus said, everything he said. So would you think that was helpful in, in, the, whole, in, the, in, in the disciples writing the Gospels? Right? And because uh, they were carried along by the Spirit, we're told. Verse 27 says, Peace I leave with you. Okay, what's he talking about? It's what he's been talking about the whole time. The Holy Spirit himself, right? He's talking about, he's saying peace. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These, these, this, is, this is what the Holy Spirit, and it's not fruits. It's the fruit. It's, a, it's all of it. Like he's brought it all to bear upon our lives. And, and he's saying, I've, I'm giving it to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And he's saying, not, not as the world gives do I give to you. And here it is. He says it again. Verse 1, he said it. He says it again. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. He adds that. So here's the thing. We are fully resourced with the peace of God. But we're challenged to let it, Paul says, reign in our hearts. To let it. Have you ever had resources in your life that you didn't fully utilize? I remember I, I, I bought a Mustang when I was young and uh, drove it for, had it for 15 years. Um, about, about 12, 13 years into it, I, I actually picked up the owner's manual. Anybody else guilty? Okay, and, and why? Why do we pick up the owner's manual? I, I, something's going. Is this the owner's manual? Should we should we only reference it when it's something's going wrong? Right? Never. Right? So so ideally we should pick up the owner's manual when. <laughs> and like when we first are given, right, the gift or the, right. So anyway, like so I, thir- 12, 13 years in, I'm picking up the owner's manual for the first time, because I've got this this problem, and as I'm reading through it, I find out. Oh, that's what that is. I didn't even know that this little thing that you push drops down a little light in your car. I'm like, that would have been helpful. And I thought it was an incredible illustration because it didn't shine. And neither will we if we don't live in, the, live in it and live it out, the owner's manual. Right? Like, like, and we've been given such a gift. And my point in that is this. We've been given the Holy Spirit. In it, and, and it's increasing, like, it's full, like, we were baptized in the Holy Spirit, but we can ask for continued filling in the Holy Spirit. Those are two different things, right? And, uh, and what we have to understand is that we, we have to let the peace of Christ reign. We have to let your hearts not be troubled, right? And let them not be afraid by drawing upon the Holy Spirit. Let me be practical. Call out to the Spirit in the midst of your trouble and ask Him for peace. Trust that He is going to provide what He has, what he has come to purpose into your life. When you, anybody ever get afraid? Oh, just me. Okay, just me. So like when you get afraid, right? Like what do we do? We call upon the power of the Holy Spirit to walk peace into that moment. And, and super, it ha- listen, what, what, what are we told in, in Isaiah 26.3? He keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts in him. There it is. We're told, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard 
From what? Fear, anxiety, worry, right? We'll guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so, like, are we tapping into the power, the same power that, that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us? And everything that Jesus is saying here, one, do you think he's just going, it's a good thing to, to depend on? Or it's like, like he wants us to, to fully realize the potential of his presence in us so that we can love, so that we can be joyful and be joy to the world, Right? And so that our peace, like we, we manifest a culture in every relational context we're in. James says, what causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not the, the, the desires that wage war within you? Like we, we, we manifest joy, peace, chaos, hate. Like what's going on in here? Out of, out of the mouth, the heart speaks. What's going on in here is what comes... And, and so does culture, like our culture, is, is the kingdom of God, ideally, with the power of the Holy Spirit to see that to fruition. And so do you think that has any implications in relationships? Everything. Everything. So it's interesting because in this same conversation down the road, because this goes on for four chapters beautifully, in chapter 16, familiar verse, we always say this, right? In this world you will have troubles, but take heart, I've overcome the world, right? We say it, but do you know what it says? This is my memory verse for the week. Do you know what it says? Listen to what it says in the front side of this. I have said these things to you. These things. These things. Where did we hear that? Our very first verse. What's he talking about? The things that we've just talked about, right? I have said these things to you that in me you may have what? In this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Right? And he's not talking about the cross yet because he's not even there yet. He's talking about living in the power of the Holy Spirit, which he was the only one on the planet that was living that to its full potential. Romans 5.1. This is another part of what Jesus is talking about here, saying, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. In Romans 5.1, it says, therefore, since you have been justified by what? How are we ever ju- How is anybody justified? By faith. What does it mean to be justified? Declared not guilty ever again, forever. Right? We listen to what this verse says. We have. What does it say? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have it. What's he talking about? The Holy Spirit. Right? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We we now have peace with God, and you know what? We also have the peace of God in order to be peace on earth and peacemakers. Blessed are, those, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will what? Inherit the earth, right? So peace with God and the peace of God, the fruit of the Spirit is what's being talked about. This is what Jesus is leaving with his disciple, his spirit, his presence, his kingdom on earth. And then we're told again, let not your hearts be troubled. In other words, believe in in me, in my Father, and in my promises. Right? Guys, we've got to put our faith to action. We've got to live what we believe. Here's the fact. You you do live what you believe. You do live what you believe. But, But, oh, could we not put a greater trust and faith and assurance in his in his promises. And do you think that will have any impact? Yes. Huge. 
Jesus added, adds to also let not your hearts be afraid. Right? What's the antidote to fear? Trust. Trust God. Faith. Trust God. Right? See, we haven't been given a spirit of fear. But what? What have we been given? Like, what is the attributes of the Spirit? We're told, we're told right here, right, in, in uh, 2 Timothy 1, 1, 7. For God gave us a spirit, not of, but of power, love, and a self-control. Right? That's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Thank God. You, you ever struggle not, not to do something you know you shouldn't do? Anybody struggle? Any, anybody struggle not to do something you shouldn't do? Do you know that the Holy Spirit, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control? You can ask the Holy Spirit to help you not do that. Huh, novel idea. Right? And, and you know what? You can have confidence that He'll do it. Right? Let's pray. That's why Jesus said, this is what He said in the garden. He said, pray that you don't enter into temptation. How do we not enter into temptation? Pray. Right? That's That's it. And then we also are told perfect love casts out all what? Fear. Fear. It casts out all fear. Verse 28 says this as we move along in our text. You heard me say, Jesus said, to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced. Now this is really rich because I am going to the Father for the Father is greater than I. Now when he says, I will come to you, what's he talking about? Now that we've been in this text, the Holy Spirit, right? I, maybe, maybe he's talking about his, his, his 40 days on the planet. Maybe he's talking about his second coming. But it seems like he's talking about the Holy Spirit. If you loved me, if you really loved me, you would rejoice because I'm going to the Father. Now, guys, I think one of the biggest tests of faith in life, and I don't, I don't have... Brother, I don't have any authority to say this because it's just not my walk, it's yours. But, but I think one of the greatest tests of faith in our life is when we lose a saint. Because we're told, you know, like Paul says, look, encourage each other with these words. And in verse 13, 1 Thessalonians 4, he says, he says, look, we don't grieve like the world who has no Hope in what? Christ Him. He's coming back. And for I go to prepare a place for you that where I am you will also be. Like that, that's our living hope. Paul says, if that's not true, I'm to be pitied above all men because I put all, I put all my stock in that. Because He has been resurrected. And, because, and then Romans 6 says, because He's been resurrected, we too shall be resurrected. But, but, but we do not grieve like those who have no hope, but we grieve. Be permitted to do that. Right? But, but, but remember this, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, that He's the God of all comfort. And He comforts those. He uses the body of Christ to be agents of comfort with the comfort that, that we have received from Him Himself. But He is calling the disciples here. He says, if you love Me, you would actually rejoice that I'm going to the Father. Now, yes, he's talking about what would be poured out in the Holy Spirit, but I believe it translates that we, we should celebrate the homecoming of a saint. Right? Paul says, to live as Christ, to die is what? Gain. And then he goes on to say, it's better by far. And he says, I would rather do that than stay here, but for your sake I remain. 
but it leaves a chasm. It leaves, an, and only God can fill and please that we would be the, the, the comforting, loving agents to come alongside those in, in those moments. But he says, it's better that I go, that he might come. You, if you love me, you would rejoice because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Man, let's get our, let's get our, our Trinitarian understanding straight here. God is the all in all. The Father is the all in all. It's the reason he's called the Father. Jesus is the Son. He will, at, at the end of the day, after the Father puts everything under his feet, he's going to actually give it back to the Father as an offering. Right? There's this mutual humility amongst the Trinity that's so beautiful and the oneness of the Trinity is so perfect in, in mindset, in purpose, in intention. It's the oneness that, that, that's talked about in Genesis that, that God wants for a husband and wife that, that leaves and cleaves. It's the oneness that Jesus prays for in the body. But that oneness is still distinct in its difference. Right? There's still a, there, there's distinctness in the Father, Son, and Spirit, and there's distinctness in the body, but the, that same body is meant to be one. There's, we have counterparts in marriage, but they're still meant to be one, and that's only possible by the work of the Holy Spirit, by God's presence in our lives. So do we rejoice when our loved ones go to the Father? Jesus wants us to know that there's great benefit in His homecoming. He wants them to know that. He will pour out His Spirit upon those who put their faith in Him, He says. Verse 29, And now I have told you before it takes place. Before what takes place? It tells us in the verse before, before I'm going to the Father. Right? That's what He's talking about. So that when it does take place, you may believe. And that's exactly what happens. Right? The resurrection is the authentication of his lordship. Believe what? That he is Emmanuel and has conquered sin and death. Everything he told them he would do, he did. And so he's not, he's not a liar or a lunatic. He's Lord. He's demonstrated his power over death and sin and he set the captives free. Verse 30 says, I will no longer talk to you, uh, talk much with you. He's preparing them for his departure. He's saying, my time is short for the ruler of this world is coming. Who's he talking about? Right? Satan, right? He has no claim on me. And here's the interesting, when he's saying he's coming, he's taken up residence in Judas. It says he entered him twice. Um, and, and he is literally found an in- instruments to come and accomplish his purpose. And he says he is coming, but then he says these glorious words. Listen again what he says. He, who's he? Has no claim on me. Why does the ruler of this world have no claim on him? Because he's God. Because because he had no sin. He had no debt. And when you don't have a debt, you don't have a master. Right? Like, and he, he is not his master. He has no debt. Listen to what this says. In Acts uh, 20.24, God raised him up, the Father, loosening the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Isn't that good news? Let me tell you why it's really good news. Because everything he did and everything he experienced, he wanted to impart to us. He's the firstborn among many brethren. And here's the thing. Sin has no more claim on you. Why? Because you have no debt because he paid it in full. Right? And so you have to understand that the grave will never be yours. 
because there's no claim on you. you know, perfect love casts out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. And who took your punishment? And that's why we are perfected in love as we continue to preach the gospel to ourselves and get so enriched by the fact that he, Satan, has... Can I tell you that this morning? He has no claim on you. Right? Let me tell you a verse. This, this is the word of God. Yeah, celebrate that. He has no claim on, on the church. Listen to what 2 Corinthians 5.21 says. For our sake... Well, it sounds like Isaiah 53, doesn't it? For our sake, He, the Father, made Him, the Lord Jesus, to be sin's offering, who knew no sin. How much sin? None. So that in Him, we might become the righteousness of God. He has no claim on you. So, like, does that not liberate you this morning, understanding that he is, it's been disarmed, that, you are, that he is a defeated foe? Finally, verse 14 to 31, if the worship team would come. Verse 31, our final verse. Listen to this. This is so sweet. But I do as the Father has commanded me. I do as the Father has. Can, can I ask you a question before we read any further? Why does Jesus do what the Father has commanded him? Because he loves him. Right? It even go, Listen, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Guys, he's just reinforcing what he said throughout this whole first part of his discourse here. It's like obedience finds its power and its fruition in loving God with all of our heart, mind, strength, and soul. And we will love our neighbors as ourselves when we're loving God. And when we, we struggle to obey, it's not help me to obey, it's help me to love you. That's a, that's a big deal. Because that's what the Holy Spirit is, is actually doing. He's not helping you as much to do that as much as He is helping you to love God. Because then it's a sincere motive in what we do. Does that make sense? So why does Jesus do what the Father has commanded him? He loves him. And he wants the... This is, this is huge. And he wants the world to know it and to know him intimately. Guys, this is the ideal intention of the saint. Right? We want others. We want others to know that we love him and to know him. Right? That's, and that's what the Holy Spirit is doing in us through all the the means of grace and all of the spiritual gifts. Do you know what's the chief aim of every spiritual gift? 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. What does it tell us? Chief end, end of every spiritual gift is love. If it doesn't have that, it's noise. It's fruitless. Right? Autumn got it right, didn't she, Ben? I knew it. I knew it. Right? He wants, uh, wants the world to know it that he loves the Father, and to know him intimately. And that's the mission of the saint. That's the Great Commission. Go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything that I've commanded you. Teaching them everything I've commanded you. We're not responsible for what we don't know, but please teach them what you do, right? With the power of the Holy Spirit to see that to fruition. So this is what the world finds out about us when we obey the Lord out of love for him. That we love him. That's what they find out. They also experience his love through us. So a question for you this morning is, do others know you love the Lord? Our life should scream that. Jesus came to show us the Father and to give us his Papa. 
and himself, that we will come and make our home with you. Like... (laughs) And take you to myself. Can it be more intimate than that? He sent his spirit so that we might follow in his steps. Listen to these final verses as we close. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Verse chapter 15, which is our next chapter endeavor here. He he continues this thought and says this, but when the helper comes, when the helper comes, he's talking about Pentecost here, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about what? And that's why Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, don't worry about all that guys, when the kingdom, don't don't worry about all that. Here's, Here's why I've clothed you with power that you might be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. That's the purpose of the Spirit, is so that we would be empowered to show people our love for God, to witness, tell our story, tell our unique story. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as Savior, why not? I don't understand. Like I know I'm on the other side of this and, and, and it's glorious and makes no sense that you wouldn't know and love Jesus who's come to rescue you. It's like rejecting uh, the Coast Guard if you're drowning in, in the sea and, and saying, no, no, I got this. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like I encourage you, put your trust and hope in Christ. All, all he asks of us is that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. That, that it's simple childlike faith that just trusts him to believe he exists. What is faith? Faith is the confidence of things hoped for, right? The hope, oh, the confidence of things hoped for and the, the assuredness of things yet, yet, yet seen, right? So like we're, we're putting our trust and hope in God and he promises, as we've read this morning, that he would pour out his spirit upon us and that he would plant his kingdom in us and it will change everything. New creation is what he wants to do for you. If you've never trusted Christ, I encourage you. Man, there is no magic prayer. It is your heart to his. It is just acknowledging your sin, trusting that Jesus quenched our sin debt so that there would be no claim on you and that you would rest in his presence and experience the joy of his power and his spirit to bring all of his promises to fruition in our lives. And so let's pray as we close our time together. Father, I thank you. I thank you for this opportunity that we have to trust you with our lives. Thank you that you've poured out your spirit to make everything possible. Thank you that you have loved us enough to die for us, Lord Jesus, to quench our sin debt so that we might be tabernacled with your spirit so that we might march through the desert of life and, uh, and experience your victory. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. in our lives. And so let's pray as we close our time together. Father, I thank you. I thank you for this opportunity that we have to trust you with our lives. Thank you that you've poured out your spirit to make everything possible. Thank you that you have loved us enough to die for us, Lord Jesus, to quench our sin debt so that we might be tabernacled with your spirit so that we might march through the desert of life and uh, and experience your victory. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name.
Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.